Merry Christmas. <laughs> You're going, what does that have to do? Well, hopefully by the end of the day you understand what that has to do with Christmas and what this is up here. What in the world is that, by the way? Um, has there ever been, ever been a time in your life when you thought or felt that God had forgotten about you? Don't raise your hand. Because if you don't and you're here, uh, you probably are lying if you've never felt that way. I mean, all of us, I think, from time to time felt that God has abandoned us or forgotten us. Um, you know, if, you, if you're in church, sometimes you have this tendency to be real spiritual and say, oh, no, you know, I've always had great faith and always felt that God is there for me. Well, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. I'm, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I've yelled at God, where are you? You ever done that? In the midst of circumstances, sometimes it happened recently in the midst of some difficulties with our kids, you know, and some things going on, just, you know, still not resolved. But the issue is sometimes we feel that God has abandoned us, and and sometimes we feel that way. Maybe it was that divorce that happened that you didn't expect to happen, or the layoff. Maybe it was a medical crisis that happened in your life, or maybe it was the death of a loved one, whatever it may be. There's times in our life when we feel that God is not there with us. And, and, and when, when that happens, what do you do? What do you do? You know, even in, in Scripture itself, uh, John the Baptist was one of Jesus' very uh, close friends. And, and, and one time, uh, and he was even called by Jesus himself, John the Baptist was called uh, one of the greatest man, men to ever live. But you know that there was one time in John the Baptist's life when he questioned that God was even with him, that Jesus was even there? The reality is that sometimes we feel that way. And so today we want to talk about what do you do when you feel that way? What do you do in life? And, and some of us, we're, we, we call this series, this little mini-series, this three-week we started last week, this week, and the next week. It's, it's called Come to the Party. Because Christmas should be about the celebration of what God has done in our lives. About Him coming into our, our world and encountering us in such a way that we can truly know Him. But what do you do? And so last week and this week, I told you I was going back into the Old Testament and talking about uh, some passages that kind of help us to see some of the things that, that was pointed to in the New Testament. And next week, we're going to talk about the Christmas story. Um, and then on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about it even more. But today, I want to talk about a passage in the Old Testament. And I shared with you last week, as we were talking about the passage we talked about last week, and if you don't, didn't listen to, hear that, you can go online and go to our podcast and listen to that as well. And uh, we talked about how sometimes there's some scriptures, some things that you like to see, some passages that you would like to uh, actually live and actually be in the midst of that. And that was the whole prophets of Baal thing last week we talked about. This week, this is the same deal. This is another one. And if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me over to the book of Ezekiel. It's over toward the kind of the end of the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 37. And it's kind of one of the coolest and weirdest stories in all of scripture. But it's also something that's very dramatic and probably... I called it today one of the greatest parties of all time. <laughs> and you'll understand hopefully by the end because it was one of the things, you know, what, is, what happens at a good party? Uh, I, I don't know, I'm not really a party guy, but you know, what happens at a good party? You have a good time, something, you know, exciting. This, this, this is, man, this is, you're talking about a party. This is like when everything changes in this, in this scripture passage. So I just want to read it today. I want to talk about it a little bit. And I want to talk about what it means for us in regards to how can we, come to the party? How can we celebrate Christmas in such a way? And not just Christmas, but the whole year round, our relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. It begins in verse 1, when Ezekiel says this, it says, the hand of the Lord was on me. That's Ezekiel the prophet saying that. 
And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he sent me in the middle of a valley. Now, this wasn't just any old valley, though, because it says this. It was full of bones. Now, I don't know about you, but that would not be my favorite place to go hang out. It's a valley full of bones. But this is where, this is where God takes him. And, it said, and then it says this. He led me back and forth among them, amongst the bones. He was wandered around uh, amongst the bones. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And these weren't just bones that had been recently. This, these were bones, bones that had been there for a long time. And then God asked Ezekiel a really, 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 really strange question. Uh, you know, we can read the Bible. We know the end of the story if you've read this before. But if you didn't know the story, and this is, sounds really strange. In verse 3, he says, Ezekiel says, God asked me, he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, of course not. They can't live. I mean, how silly is that? Can these bones live? And then he does, Ezekiel does what so many of us do. Remember last week I said, you know, uh, in the story, as we were talking about the prophets of Baal and the people, God told him, are you going to follow Baal? Are you going to follow, are you going to follow God? Choose which one are you going to do? And nobody said anything. This is kind of one of those situations where Ezekiel kind of doesn't know the answer. So he says, God asked, son of man, do these bones live? And then he says, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Ezekiel's basically said, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, how do you answer God in that situation? Do these bones live? You know, where, he's going, where is this going? What's going on here with this valley of dry bones, just a bunch of bones? And then he says, then God asked him to do something really strange. You think that was a strange question. The very next thing he asked is incredibly strange. He says in verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy, and that word means preach. Preach to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And you notice what the, what the, what the uh, punctuation is at the end of that sentence. It says, it, it's an exclamation point. You know what an exclamation point means? He says, yes, it means you do it with, with a little gusto. My wife teaches, she's a, uh, she's a, uh, uh, teaches, uh, um, reading and helps kids, young kids and know how to read and learn how to read. Uh, she's a reading specialist. And, and one of the things at the house, sometimes you'll hear these kids and there's little kids and they'll be in there. And all of a sudden they just scream out a word. And you know why? Because my wife has taught them when you get to an exclamation point, it means you do it with gusto. And so they go a little overboard sometimes in our house and so they'll be reading along and all of a sudden they go yes you know and they'll go out with something like that you know and i'm going like whoo where'd that come from oh miss white's told him how to do with an exclamation point it means to do it with gusto to do it with with everything you've got so that's what god is telling him he's god is saying hey preach to these bones and say to them drop bones hear the word of the lord and do it with some enthusiasm now i don't know about you but I, i've never preached to bones i've preached to some dead audiences before but uh, I've never done to quite that kind of that kind of situation. But that's what that's what God is saying here uh, uh, to, to Ezekiel. Then in verse five, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones: I will make make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the lord and then it's then it says this is then then a lot uh uh just ezekiel says this so i prophesied as i was commanded now what does that say it said yeah he did what he was told but he, he says as i was commanded he didn't say i did this because i thought it was going to happen you notice that 
I mean, how many people think, you know, you're going to preach to some bones and it was going to, it was going to, it's going to come, life is going to come to them. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing here. I mean, he had never, he didn't see the end of the story. He didn't see cool, cool video we saw a minute ago, you know, that kind of showed what was going on there. No, he didn't know any of these things. He said, this is what God told me to do, so I did it. Then it says this, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I mean, it was kind of weird. He'd be sitting there, he's preaching to these dead bones, and all of a sudden the bones start zipping around all over the place and coming together in pieces, he says. And, and then he says this, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God says to me, said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe unto these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Once again, he says, I'm doing what God tells me to do. And breath entered them. They came to life and stood upon their feet. A vast army. And now keep that in mind. It wasn't just a few bones. It was a vast army. I don't know the, the picture here, but it must have been a valley where there had been a been big battle. And all these were people who had been in an army of, army of people. And all of a sudden, they're coming back to life again. And then verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. And they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from there, up from them. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open up your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, am, I the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. I mean, this is a really strange picture here we see in Scripture, this, this valley of dry bones, these bones coming back to life, flesh coming back upon them, and all of a sudden this, this vast army of people coming together as God brings them back together. And it comes to the point today that what we want to talk about is how do you know that God cares? There's some things that you and I care about, right? There's some things you and I care about. How many of you are hockey fans? Anybody here hockey fans? Okay, all four of you. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's, I love sports. I really love sports. But hockey, I don't care. I really don't care about hockey. I mean, it's like, you know, the Olympics are coming up in some place called Sochi or Sochi or so, I don't know where it's at, someplace. <laughs> It's going, to be, it's going to be in February. I'm really pumped about it. But there's always some strange sports on the Olympics. You know, there's a thing called curling. You ever seen curling? Woo! It's, it's about rolling a rock on the ground. You know, it's like, woo, that's, that's exciting. On ice, you know, woo! You know, I, you know, I, I know, anybody care about curling? I don't care. I really don't. Chris cares. He's the only one here. I don't really believe you care about it either, Chris. I don't think you're just making it up. There's some things you care about. I mean, you know, right now I'm excited because we're in college basketball season. That's my favorite sport in all the world, college basketball. And I, I watch college basketball, you know, and I can't mention that I'm, I root for a team that's not from around here that's called Duke. Uh, but anyway... You know, I care about that, but I really don't care about hockey. And I really know, somebody told me you need to go to a hockey game because you really like it. And, you know, I've never, I've been to one hockey game, you know, and I'm, I don't plan on going back. You know why? Because I don't care. I really don't care. 
There's some things you care about and some things you don't care about in life. And then why I say that is this. Some people today are here today, we're convinced that God doesn't care about you because of what you're going through. You're convinced of that because of what you're going through. And if I were to hear your story and somebody else was to hear your story, it is a legitimate story of, of heartbreak or sadness. And if I were to sit down with you and you were to share that, I'm sure I, I would be heartbroken. But that is when you go through tough, that is why when you go through tough times, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in, in God, we don't need to look at our story. We need to fix our eyes on our Savior. Because if our story defines us, then we will live a life of depression. It, we will. If your story defines, because we all have parts of our story that if we focused our attention and our energies upon that, it would lead us to a life of depression. But if we allow our Savior to define us, who we are and what we're going through, then we can always have hope. We can always have hope. So if you're a Christian here today, um, let me tell you about your story. Because the one thing we have in common is, is the story of what our Savior has done for us. And I know you're dying to know what's under this, this thing, right? So let me talk about this. This is kind of a help, a help today. It's probably not what you thought you'd see at Christmas. <clears throat> this is my friend Herman. He spends most of his life in the science department at Metamore High School. Herman uh, has been through a lot because he lost part of an arm here, I saw. But uh, I didn't put the cap on him. I don't know who did that. But uh, uh, Herman is, is a picture of us. Uh, this is who you and I were before, before Christ. Every one of us. This is who we are before Christ. This is what we were spiritually. We were dead. You had about as much hope of spending eternity with God before Christ came into your life as Herman. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. Because the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, As for you, and he's talking about for the persons who, who um, Christians who, before you become to Christ, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. And that's not how we see ourselves most of the time. That's the problem. It's a problem. We don't see ourselves like Herman here. We see ourselves as people like, you know, it's kind of like we're in school in this life. And we're going like, or I'm in high school or a middle school or I'm in college or something. You know, and I'm not quite passing the grade. I need a few extra points of credit just to, to pass the class. And so we find out, is there some way we go to the professor or the teacher and we say, is there some points that we can get, some extra credit we can get so that we can be all right and pass the, pass the course? And so a lot of people relate that to Christianity and say, well, I've always been in church and I'm a good person and I've prayed this prayer and and maybe that's the one or two extra points all I needed just to pass the grade. But no, the Bible says that all of us, every one of us are dead in our sins before we come to Christ. That's who we are. And so we're not just, you know, good people or we're just all people who have sin in our life. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and say, well, if, you know, have you ever sinned? And I, I know, the, know the answer to that one, okay? Because every one of us in our hearts and in our minds have, have had things in our life where we've sinned. We've, we've turned away from God. 
Look back at the story of the dry bones. In the, in the story of the dry bones, let me ask you this. In the story of the bones, who brought the bones back to life? This is not a hard question, by the way, okay? Who brought the bones back to life? Did the bones bring themselves back to life in the story? No, I mean, the bones didn't, you know, did they come back to life because they worked really hard and they deserved to come back to life? Did they, uh, was it because, or was it because of the grace and mercy of God that they came back to life? It was God who did that. This is, this is your story and my story if we're a Christian. Well, some of you will say, well, no, no, you don't understand. I came to Christ because, because uh, I raised my hand in a service. When the preacher asked, would you like to follow Christ? So, you know, that was me doing that part. It's kind of like this. I mean, let's look at Herman. Herman, raise your hand. Is Herman ever going to raise his hand? No, he might physically, but spiritually, I mean, can he change who he is? I would say to you that it's even Christ who gives you the mercy and the grace and the ability to even raise your hand in that service or to pray that prayer. God is the one who causes you to do that. Now you have to respond to that, yes. But God's Spirit is, works in your life to, to bring you to the need to do, to prompt you to do what needs to be done. See, we can't do it on our own. It's only through the supernatural power of God. Because you and I were dead and God brought us to life. That's what Scripture says to us. And too often in church, one of the problems that we have, we've talked to people who don't know Christ and we look at them and, and we say things to them like, hey, quit doing that. Quit drinking, quit cussing, quit smoking, whatever happens to be your, your issue of the day. Quit doing that. And, why, and, they, and we're going like, why don't they quit doing it? Because they're dead. Because they don't have Christ living in them. They don't have the ability to, to change things until Christ begins to live in their lives. It doesn't work. See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is why this is so important. He brought you from death to life. And that is, that is good news. That is good news. That's why you can celebrate and party Christmas. But if you don't understand that, you have a problem. And you can't have a Christmas the way God wants you to. He cares about you. He cares about every part of you and me. Jesus cares. That's the message that we hear Christmas. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because what? He cares for you. Cast everything on him because... He cares for you. Cast all the stuff that happened four weeks ago on him because he cares for you. Cast whatever happened this week in your life upon him because he cares for you. It's not about the circumstances. Yes, we, go, we live in a world that's broken. But because Christ cares for you, we have hope. See, if we focus on our story, your story makes you feel like you're abandoned when you're going through a tough time. But the Savior says, I'm with you and I'll never abandon you. Your story says that you're in the middle of an impossible circumstance. But your Savior says that nothing is impossible with him. Your story says that something in you has died. But your Savior says, I came back to life so that you can have real life. He says all these things. That's why he came to this world, not as a baby, just simply as a baby, so we can think he's cute and cuddly, so that he can become a man and die upon a cross for our sins. That because he wants us to know that that's where we are without him. See, don't let your story define you. If you're a follower of Christ, let your Savior define you. Because as long as you look to your Savior, there's always hope. There's always hope. That's the first point. Jesus cares. 
And so we need to cast our anxiety on him. Point number two, though, is this. Because Jesus cares, we should care. Because Jesus cares, we should care. How many of you have ever noticed that have kids? I don't care what age they are. I don't care what age they are. If they're, my kids are 30 and 26, something like that, I think. They're clo- that's close enough, okay? But I remember when they were little, too. I still remember. It seems like it was yesterday. So, so embrace right now those of you who have little kids. Hey, it, 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 it's, it's gone in a moment. It really is. It's so fast. But did you notice when your kids were little how often you had to be careful about what you said and what you did? Because what would they do? They would repeat you. They would copy you. I mean, I cannot say how many times I said something and I wished I had stuffed it back in my mouth in front of my kids. Because I, guess what? A week later, a day later, whatever, it would come out of their mouth. So what can I say? Well, Daddy did it. And he's a preacher. <laughs> That's even worse. I hate to tell you that, you know. <laughs> Only one step down from God, you know. And the, the issue is... The issue, that's just what some people believe. I don't believe that. I don't believe that, but it's just what some people believe. But the issue is, is you know, if you have kids, uh, they're going to copy. I can ne- never, I, I can, this sometimes, let me, people, I hate to just blow your, you know, your opinion to me, but uh, I'm far from perfect, by the way, okay? And uh, my dad was, was in the Navy. <clears throat> and uh, I grew up in a home, now he, he, he got better as we got older. But Dad spoke Navy. I don't know if you know what Navy's like, but it's not real clean. And, and so I grew up, and, you know, I mean, I still find myself occasionally reverting to Navy. Not really, no, but uh, the, the, real, the realization is there's sometimes things just came out, you know, and, and I would just say, I mean, say something, and, and I, you know, in, in the fit of the moment, you know, when it, you know how that happens, right? Come on. No, you're perfect. You know, never say anything wrong. You just never say anything wrong. And so, I mean, I, you know, and, and so my kids would, you know, repeat that and get in trouble at school. And I'm just saying this to tell you this. You know, the thing is, is that when you have a good relationship, a close relationship with the, fa- with, with the father, or the child is with the father or with the mother, what happens? They copy you, right? You become more like them. See, the more time you spend with your father, the more time you become like him. Same way with Jesus. Same way with God. The more time you spend with... If Jesus cares, if God cares, guess what we should do? We should care. Right? Because, you know, you don't become less caring, less loving because you spend time with Jesus. You become more like Him. See, it's a spiritual impossibility to walk with Jesus and not care about the people He cares about. The spiritual impossibility... Back to the scripture, back to the story. Ezekiel uh, said that when the bones came to life, it was raised up what? How was it raised up? As a vast army, it said. Remember that? It said it was raised up as a vast army. It wasn't just raised up a bunch of people wandering around aimlessly. Now, that's important when you think in the context of it. Kings didn't raise up armies just so they could, because they were bored and didn't have anything to do. What kings would do is they'd raise up an army because what they wanted to do is they wanted to conquer another nation. That's why kings would raise up an army and his when God brings us back to life, the story, in a sense, he changes us. He brings us from death to life for a purpose and to carry out his mission. And we're part of his army. That's what the story is all about. 
See, unfortunately, as a church, we seldom see our mission as conquering the world with the gospel, do you? We so often, what we do, we simply form our own battalions and we focus uh, on ourselves and we become so obsessed with ourselves that we forget the mission that God has for us. That's why I keep challenging us. Hey, folks, as we free up our resources here at Great Oaks, our purpose is not to build more stuff for us. Our purpose is to carry out God's mission in this region and across the world. And you know who God cares about? People that are dead. People that are dead. Dead spiritually. He wants us to care about them as more. See, Jesus said that I raised up an army not so that you can get together and study the manual for 30 years and do nothing. He said, I've raised up an army so that we could go and conquer the world with a message of, the, of hope called the gospel. And when we do that, and when we do that, then what we must do is we must tell people, we must tell these people, this is where you are, but you don't have to live that way anymore because there's hope. Your story does not have to define you because there is hope. God can bring that which is dead, even dry bones, back to life. You know something? So often we don't personalize this, but you know, this was me before Christ came into my life. I was dead spiritually too. As a teenager, I grew up in the church. I did. I, I, I went to church when I was a little kid. And I went through all the motions. I was not a bad kid. I just wasn't a person who, I, I let my story define me. And so I went through school depressed and, and, and sad all the time because, you know, I was a geeky kid who, who nobody liked that I was stood over in the corner so lot. You know, that was me. And so I let my story, story define me. It was not to when I was 14 years old that Christ came into my life and I was no longer dead anymore that Christ came into me, that it changed everything about me, gave me purpose and hope in life. And that is your story, too. If you're a believer, you were once, just like Herman, you were dead spiritually. But Christ, because of what he's done for you, brought you back to life. Now, I know there's maybe people here. There are, there's always people every week that come to Great Oaks who are seeking things. And you may not have come to Christ yet. And I just want to tell you, lovingly, carefully, this is not judgmentally, this is where you are. And because of that, as you struggle with life, you will not have hope until you come to Christ and allow him to change you and bring you to life. See, there are friends and family members that don't know Christ. Guess what time of year it is? Christmas, right? You know what the number two time, you know what the number one time of year when people come to church the most? Easter. Number two, Christmas. Let me explain something to you. There are people over the next two weeks, over the next two, I mean, Sunday and and, and Christmas Eve, that'll come to church that won't come any other time of year. This is the easiest time of the year to get those people that you know that don't know Christ to come. And I guarantee that we're going to talk about the gospel those those two times. Guaranteed. So I'll just challenge you that this is Something to think about. And let, me, let me give you th- three things as we close up this morning. Three, three reasons people don't know Christ. 
And these are not like, like, oh, these are so deep, Pastor. No, these are not deep. These are just really, they're really simple. Number one, reasons people don't know Christ is, number one, they don't know. They don't know. I'm going like, isn't that a repetition? Yeah, it is. I know. It's kind of like this. How many of you like Chinese food? Anybody here like Chinese food? Oh, wow. Bunches of you, okay? My favorite food, Chinese food, okay? You know, the hottest food in the world sometimes I've ever had in my life is Chinese food. I've had all kinds. I like hot food. You like hot food? Anybody like hot food? Okay, cool. Now, in Virginia, in Virginia when I lived there, me and a, another good friend of mine, his name was Carl, we used to go out all the time uh, to lunch during the week occasionally. He was my accountability partner for, uh, for like 10 years, and, and we'd go out, and both of us liked hot food. And so one time, we, we invited this guy out with us to this Chinese restaurant. He was our favorite because the food was exceedingly hot. I mean, it was so hot, it would, it would bring tears to your eyes. And, and you, you couldn't even taste anything for three days after eating there. And it was that hot. And so we took this guy, and this guy, new guy came to town, came to church, and we just wanted to take him out. And he was, he was kind of young and cocky, and he was telling us how, you know, he could eat anything that was hot, and he, how cool, you know, he was, he was kind of one of those guys. And, and so we decided to take him to the Chinese restaurant with us one day. And I don't know about you guys, but there's certain things in Chinese restaurants. There's that red stuff, you know, that Vietnamese hot sauce is pretty, that's pretty nuclear. But, and one of the most innocuous things that's in a Chinese restaurant that really kind of surprises people is the hot mustard. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The hot mustard? Don't use too much of it because it will kill you. I think it was made in hell. But, uh, Really? But the reality was, this guy, this guy had never eaten chai. I couldn't believe we walked to the chai. He says, I've never eaten this food before. What do you, what's it like? We're going like, oh, boy. <laughs> and so he goes to this Chinese restaurant. We go to this Chinese restaurant where the food is incredibly hot. And it's already hot, spicy before you put anything on it. And so he goes in there, and he gets his stuff, and he gets his egg roll. And he says, what's this stuff here? And it's Chinese. It's mustard. It's hot mustard. And he goes, he says, what do you do? I see you dip, it in, you dip your, uh, your egg roll into it. And so this goes, oh, okay. And he gets the thing, and he squirts a bunch in the dish, and he dunks his egg roll in this thing. And he's starting to put it to his mouth, and my friend's going, but y'all, and I said, shh, shh. <laughs> I wanted to see what his response would be. You know, I have the gift of mercy, too. But, uh, <laughs> and he sticks it in there, you know, and he, and he just goes, and he sticks it in his mouth, and oh, my gosh, and the guy, you know, he lost all religion that day, and he started talking like he was in the Navy. And, uh, I could not believe it. He was just screaming and yelling. You know why he did that? Because he didn't know. He didn't know. He didn't know that hot mustard was that hot. He didn't know anything about that. See, there's people that we see every day that don't know that they're dead. Right? No one goes around and says, well, I'm dead. And we have to share with them what we know not judgmentally, but compassionately, because the first reason people don't know is because they don't know. They don't know they're dead. You're going like, well, that's a tough conversation. Well, I'd rather, you know, let me ask you a question. Would you rather some, share somebody on this side of eternity about the fact that they're dead in, in their sins or wait, wait till the other side when there's no options? Number one, people don't know Christ because they don't know. Number two, they don't believe. They don't believe. I cannot tell you how many people don't believe that God could ever forgive them for all the stuff that they have done in their life. 
I cannot tell you how many people over the years I've invited to church or I've, in, I've shared Christ with, and they said, well, God couldn't possibly forgive me because of all the garbage and all the junk in my life because we don't believe that there's anybody that can forgive us that much. But I will bet, I will bet that there is not one person here, I can almost guarantee this because you'd be in prison, uh, I'll bet there was not one person here who had an affair and then had the spouse of the person you had an affair with murdered. Anybody here do that? Don't raise your hand. Don't want to know. But there was a guy in Scripture, you know what his name was? David. Who did exactly that. And then God came into his world and, and, and rocked his world and changed who he was. And later on, you know what David was called? A man after God's own heart. We're going like, wow, God can forgive that? Yeah, that's the kind of God we have. Yeah, he paid some price for, for what he did. But God forgave him. See, that's the thing. So many people don't... Uh, the, you, you might invite somebody and they'll go like, well, you know, I can't go to church because I'm just not good enough. You know why they think that? Because we put on these airs like we're so good. Uh, you can raise your hand on this. How many of you here are messed up? <laughs> Thank you. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> I had my hand raised, by the way. I'm actually raised two. The reality is, so often in church, we act like everything is together. We go around and, how's your day? Oh, I'm just fine. Praise God. Oh. Let's get real. The church is the one place we should be real. I mean, I don't want to hear all your baggage, but you know, the thing is, but the thing is, is you know, don't act like everything is perfect just because you come to church. You look so good, you dress up, or at least you, you know, we dress kind of down here, but you know, it's kind of like the deal. The thing is, is that so often people don't believe, they think you have to be a certain way, you have to be perfect before God can accept you. That is far from the truth. Because he accepts us when we, when we were what? When I was dead in my sins, dead in my transgressions, and far from God, that's when he accepted me, when I came to him. Finally, reason, the, the third reason that people don't know Christ is because we won't go. We won't go. Any of you have sleeping problems? I do. I do. I have problems sleeping. I have tried everything. Mattresses, pillows, down comforters, you know, everything. Kind of found a combination that kind of works now, you know. We have a select comfort bed with a Tempur-Pedic topper, and, and then we have these, like, I went through 37 different pillows to try to find everything, keep switching them off. Sometimes I find it, and I like it really cold in the room when I sleep. We keep it like 65 in the house normally, and in our bedroom it's like you can breathe smoke. You know, <laughs> mist. You know, you know, I mean, that's how I like it. But the thing is, I do that, then I cover up and put stuff all over me, so it's right up to right here, you know, it's up, up like this, you know, you know how that is. It's perfect, you know. And when you get into bed like that, it takes forever to get warm. But once you get warm, man, it's great. You know, it's just great, right? That's the way it is. Oh, breathing the smoke out, and, you know, got the cover up here, you know. It's great. And I'll never forget, a few, uh, uh, a few months ago, and we were in the house, and, and I'd gotten, you know, I'd finally gotten comfortable, getting ready, you know, thinking about going to sleep. I'm all nice and warm now, you know, and everything's just perfect. And all of a sudden, Vicki looks at me, and she said, did you hear that? You know what my first response was? No, I didn't hear anything. 
And then a, a, a couple minutes later, something happened again, and it was popping and cracking. And, and so at that point, what do I do? I just throw the covers off. I get out of my comfortable bed, which has taken me forever to get comfortable in. And I go down and find out it's really nothing. It's just, you know, popping and creak, creaking in the house. But, you know, I did it because I had to do it. I had to go find out, what, make sure everything was safe in the house. See, the church's problem the past 2,000 years is not that we didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not that God doesn't do miracles anymore. It's that we have grown comfortable in our soft, warm beds with comfortable pillows and warm comforters and have tuned those people out. And let me tell you about those people. They are desperate and crying out for hope. And it's going to take you and me getting out of our comfort zone to engage them in a conversation about Jesus and bring them to a place where they can hear the gospel. Because what they need is what we have needed if we've come there, is we need a Savior who walked out of heaven and came to earth to reach us. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We can make a choice. We can make a choice. We can either stay in our comfortable beds, in our comfortable seats, in our comfortable place here. Nice, y'all comfortable, right? Good. Not really. Or we can go out this week, the easiest time, the second easiest time of the year, almost the easiest time of the year, and we can and we can talk to those folks that we know who don't know Christ. I guarantee you, every one of you have people that you encounter every day that are here. If you don't, you need to get some new, new friends. Because Jesus was a friend of what? Sinners. He encountered people where they were and helped them to go where they needed to go. In your bulletin, if you didn't drop it somewhere, there's a little card. Everybody, I've seen them all over the floor. That's what I said. That I've seen them everywhere. There's little cards. Where's it at? I got one. It looks like this. It says party. And then on the other side it says, uh, it tells us when our services are. Two of them have already been the 22nd. And then on December 24th, Christmas Eve service. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to care enough to invite somebody to next week's service and to the Christmas Eve service. Not just invite them, but say, hey, I'm going to bring you here. I'll pick you up if you need to. I'll take you to lunch if that's what it's going to take. And they'll make excuses. They will. I don't have anything to wear. Well, I get great oaks, you don't have to dress up. You know, you can wear your jeans, whatever. Uh, I don't have a Bible. We'll give you one. Um, you know, and, and they'll keep making excuses, but don't give up. Don't give up. Because Jesus cares for them, and we should care too. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.